looks into the face of Jesus, the one person who could say, I always do those things which please my Father in heaven, the one person who was the only proper sacrifice to forgive the sins of the world, that's what reflection is. It's when we look not at ourselves or at our neighbors or at our culture, but when we look at the face of Jesus and we see ourselves, who we really are. Our perspectives of ourselves can be quite distorted. We tend to see ourselves based on the world's ideals and measure ourselves against the successes of others. In today's message, Pastor Daniel shares a new way to gauge ourselves. As we begin to study what it means to look inwardly at ourselves, we need to take on the perspective that God has of us. He sees us as his beloved children and finds beauty in us, no matter who we are. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, The Need for Honesty. I am more convinced than ever that the series that we're doing right now that's called The Art of Living is important. And the reason that is is because each one of us, every single day, has things going on. We often say here at Crossroads that life is messy, right? I just experienced it. I actually, after our Wednesday night service, I actually flew out the next morning. And if you ever want to see how messy life is, go to an airport. Not only like getting on the plane, but when you're on the plane and all the stuff that goes on, you're getting off the plane. And, you know, I ended up flying in and out. I went to Colorado Springs, but I flew to Denver. And I definitely think they designed the Denver airport after they legalized marijuana. I don't understand that airport. It's still to this day. It was just one of those things. But you see all the things that go on when you have all these people together and all the things that are happening in their lives. And I'm looking at my own life and I'm saying, Lord, thank you that you have taught us the art of living and that we are learning the art of living. I don't know how many times over the last weeks as we've been going through this series that I've reflected on things that I've shared with you and said, I need to put that into practice right now. Because God created us to worship him and to live lives that reflect who he is. And so if you remember, just to give you the framework, because really this week, we're moving into the second section of this series. We're basing this series on Jesus's greatest commandment, right? Where he says that you should love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. So we're loving God, right? And then we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So we've been saying that we're really, the art of living happens in three directions. It happens upward, we love God. It happens inward. Because we love God, we see ourselves. And then we love our neighbors. And loving our neighbors will be the third section. And we took a number of weeks focusing on loving God, right? And remember, I made the case that when we're talking about loving God, the primary biblical thing that we looked at was creation, right? And it was focusing on God the Father. We looked at things like worship. We looked at things like prayer. We looked at things like stillness and what we call deepening, which is not just learning information, but learning the truth. And we took a week on each one. 
Starting this week and over the next number of weeks, we're going to be focusing on what we would call living inward, which would be loving ourselves. The word that we're going to use for that is the idea of identity. Who am I? Who are you? And every single person constructs an identity in some different ways. When I was in college and I was studying psychology, they told us about the biopsychosocial model of human intelligence, which means our identities are found in our biology, our psychology, and our sociology, right? And those three impact. Now, it's amazing they didn't even include spirituality in that. But each one of us constructs an identity and our lives and the things that we've experienced, the way our parents were, the things that happen that we don't understand in our life, all of that plays into building our identity. And because God loves us and we respond to God's love, we allow, and Jesus teaches us that us living upwardly, vertically, that relationship with God should completely inform our identities here. So we're going to be taking the next number of weeks looking at what does it mean to love ourselves because of who God is. Now, this is identity. It's living inwardly. This is going to be focused on ourselves. Now, the main biblical happening that we're going to focus on is on the cross of Jesus Christ. Because a person cannot really build their identity unless the focus is on God the Son, Jesus Christ, and the finished work of the cross. Because at the cross of Jesus Christ... Everything you need to know about who you are is found right there. And so we're going to be spending the next number of weeks looking at different aspects of the cross of Jesus Christ and what it teaches us about who we are. Now, I want to say this at the beginning of this second section, because I think it's important, is that what I am going to say, some of the things I'm going to say is purposefully confrontational. Everybody hear that? I'm telling you, and so it's not when it happens, I'm not like, telling you I'm going to be nice. I'm not not going to be nice, but because God wants to make sure our identities are properly formed, when it's not, there's going to be certain things that are going to be said that are going to make you uncomfortable. They're going to be confrontational. And I don't do that because I don't love you, but because I do, and really because God's been confronting me on my own stuff. And so my job as a pastor is just to pass that along, right? And so I'm letting you know that up front because certain things I sense the Lord just being like, Dan, and I, you guys know I don't pull punches very often. I don't kind of sugarcoat things if I'm not supposed to. And sometimes I probably should and I don't. And you can pray for me for that and forgive me when I get that wrong. But when we build our identities in ways that God doesn't want to, God loves us too much to leave us that way. So there's a confrontation, a prophetic confrontation to who we are. And if we're looking at identity, and I'm saying the only way you can build your proper identity, who you really are, your truest self, the truest form of who you are, it can only be seen through the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ. And any way that you try and build your identity outside of that, you're building a false identity that you have to find things to prop up that false identity, which the Bible calls idolatry. And all of us have idol problems. Our hearts are idol factories. We find things to build an identity on that is something or someone other than God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So with all that being said, how many of you ever heard the phrase, honesty is the best policy? Every human being has a need for honesty. See, think about it. When you're being raised as children, Your parents are explaining to you how the world works. Now, for some of us, you look back and you're like, wow, I can't believe they told me that's what 
how the world worked. See, an essential part of growing as a person is getting upright and fair and truthful and sincere information. And every single one of us has a need for honesty. It's a core personal value of everybody. Now, how many of you have ever experienced a strain in a relationship because someone's been dishonest? See, honesty or integrity becomes an important benchmark for any relationship. And so deep down at the core of who you are, at the core of who I am, honesty is the best policy. And we desire honesty. In some ways, we demand honesty from other people. We want them to tell us really how it is and really what's at stake. So each person has a need for honesty. If we're learning this art of living, I would say this, that you need to satisfy your need for honesty by reflection. You need to satisfy your need for honesty with something that I like to call reflection. And this is the most, maybe the overarching idea for the art of living as it relates to identity, that you satisfy your need for honesty with reflection. Now you would say, what's reflection? Reflection is self-honesty in the face of Jesus Christ. See, before you can hope for other people to be honest with you, you need to learn how to be honest with ourselves. Who am I really? What am I really like? And so the need for honesty or reflection, the need for honesty that we want from people, it actually begins first with us being honest with ourselves. And I call that reflection. Now, if you think about the idea of reflection, you look into a mirror, what? And you see a reflection of yourself. You look into maybe a still pond of water, and what do you see? You see a reflection of yourself. And really, for each one of us, we need to look into the face of the perfect Son of God so that we can see the reflection of ourselves in a way that is honest and proper. How many of you ever heard that when in women's clothing stores, they have mirrors that actually make you look thinner in the clothes that you're wearing? Anybody ever read that stuff? Some ladies like, seriously? <laughs> like literally, they make these mirrors because they want you to buy the clothes. So they want you to look good in the clothes. You look at you like, wow, I don't ever look this good in those clothes. Well, it's actually a funky mirror that's messing with you, right? See, sometimes the things that we look into can give us a false reflection of ourselves. It's like the old saying that I hear many times, well, I'm a good person. Well, how do you know? Well, I'm not like Charles Manson. I'm not like Adolf Hitler. I'm not whoever my least favorite politician is or whatever it is. You say to yourself, I know I'm a good person because I'm not like that. That's not looking in an honest mirror. You're not getting a real reflection when you're trying to grade yourself on a curve. But when a person looks into the face of Jesus, the one person who could say, I always do those things which please my Father in heaven, the one person who was the only proper sacrifice to forgive the sins of the world, that's what reflection is. It's when we look not at ourselves or at our neighbors or at our culture, but when we look at the face of Jesus and we see ourselves, who we really are.
And that's what reflection truly is. And the cross of Jesus Christ forces us, if you're willing to go there, it forces us to actually have to look at ourselves. The good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So in order to do that, I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16 for our text today. Matthew's gospel is easy to find. It's the very first book in the New Testament. So that last third of the whole Bible is what we call the New Testament, Matthew. It's the very first one of those. As you all know, chapter 16 is easy to find because it sits conveniently after chapter 15 and before chapter 17. We want you to open God's word and read it because it's God's word and we need to read it. And we live in a day and age where there's so many opinions about everything, even within churches. It's amazing how many churches there are. Well, did you read your Bible at church? No, we heard this other thing, which is a problem. But when you open up God's word and you read what it says, because God's word is living and powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It goes down to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. That's why we get a little freaked out by the Bible. That's why oftentimes pastors don't want to open the Bible, because their thoughts and hearts are discerned in the Word as well. But when we spend our time in God's Word, we again, because Jesus is the living Word and He has given us a written Word, We begin to see ourselves properly and honestly. Now, this passage that I want to read to you, verse 24 to 27, comes right on the heels of the very first time that Jesus tells his disciples that he is going to be crucified, that he is going to die. And if you remember, Peter says, no way, Lord, there is no way that's going to happen to you because Peter didn't understand the plans of God. He understood the plans of man. And nobody would ever say that the Messiah should be killed. And then Jesus says this, verse 24 of Matthew 16. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Verse 25, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man If he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. So here we have a number of things that we can be honest about. First, in verse 24, you and I, if we're being we're truly reflecting on who we are. First, we're going to be honest about sin. We have to be honest about sin. Listen to what it says. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I know, because I didn't grow up in the church, that when you hear something like you need to be honest about sin, everybody in their mind who didn't grow up in the church thinks, I mean, why All this focus on sin, 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 sin. I mean, can't we just be positive for five seconds? And it's not a wrong thought, but the thing is, is that sin is an essential part of every human being's life. 
There's not a person who exists except for Jesus Christ who has not succumbed to this thing called sin. Now, what is it? I always explain it this way. Sin is the fact that no human being except for Jesus has always been as good as they could be. That's what sin is. Sin is you always being as good as you could be. Is anyone here going to say, in every single action, and every single motivation, I have always been the best possible version of myself? Anyone want to say that? We don't even have the snarky young person like me, you know. Nobody can say, like, you look at what happened this morning, what happened last night, yesterday. There's all these situations where there was a way that you could have lived that would have been the most extraordinary version of yourself. But nobody always does that. You have, might have moments where you're like, in that one instance, I got it so right. I remember, so those of you who are married would appreciate this. Those of you who aren't married, you will appreciate this if God blesses you with marriage. So me and Lynn have been married for about 11 years now. And so every wife knows that when you get married, the chief goal of marriage is to housebreak your husband. And Lynn's, you know, she's from California and she's who she is. And I'm from New Jersey, which means I'm all messed up, right? And so for 11 years of marriage, Lynn's like, look, when this type of thing goes on, this is how I want you to act, right? And for 11 years, I've like seriously always gotten it wrong. Like, it's like something goes on and like, you know, you guys know what this is like. Your wife tells you there's a problem. And what do you do? You pull out the screwdriver, the hammer, Right, You put a bandana on, you fix the problem. That's the last thing your bride wants. She just wants you to know that you love her. right? And we all know that, but we, it's hard to do. So sure enough, about two weeks ago, something went on, and in my brain it fired the first and only time. This is what Lynn needs. And I stopped. I gave her a big old hug. I said, sweetie, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. And she's like, you know, you're doing so good right now. <laughs> And I felt good about it, but that was the first time I've gotten that right in 11 years. And I'm telling you all because it was like, it was amazing. It's like, wow. Now, if I always did that, every single interaction in my marriage, then I would be without sin. But I got it right one time. And I'm excited about it. Praise God. Oh, you're cheering for me. You can pray for me. Pray for her. (laughs) See, if you always get it right, the best way you could do it every time, then you're without sin. And any time you don't do it the best way possible, then you've succumbed to the nature that we have inherited that we call sin. See, sin is not that you're always as bad as you could be. It's that you're never as good as you should be. And so if we're going to be honest about who we are, if we're truly going to be self-reflective, we need to be honest about sin. Now, the idea of denying yourself and taking up your cross, the cross was an act of Roman capital punishment. We don't do it today. We do things like the electric chair or the lethal injection. Right? But the cross, now because of the finished work of Jesus, has become synonymous with the fact that humanity struggles with this thing called sin, that we're never as good as we could be, or should be, and when we think of the cross, we think of, that happened because of my sin, because of my mistakes. 
And you think about what Jesus is saying, if we're going to be self-reflective, first we need to deny ourselves. What this actually means is we need to displace our own agendas and ideas and place God and God's kingdom's agenda and ideas in the first place. So the idea of self-denial, it doesn't imply self-abuse or a lack of self-esteem. It means putting God's priorities before our own. And that only happens when we will deny ourselves. What that means is that in each one of our hearts, there are competing sets of priorities. There's you and what you want and what you believe. And then there's God and what God wants and what God believes. And for the child of God, we do the dirty work of battling the saying, I am going to deny my set of priorities so that Jesus' priorities will take first place. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, that's a tough challenge, isn't it? Because things like love, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, compassion, mercy. These are God's priorities. And oftentimes we have our own agendas, things that we are pressing on. What also happens is is that oftentimes we can find expressions of religion that justify a set of priorities that aren't God's priorities. To be confrontational right now, who's your enemy? Who's the person you think's the worst? What did Jesus say about your enemy? You should love your enemy. She is nasty that way sometimes. If we are going to deny ourselves, we say, okay, that I'm going to find out, Lord, how do I love that person? And not let them hurt me or not set up boundaries that are destructive, but Lord, how do I... Love that person because that's your priorities. We need to be honest about the sins that we struggle with. Let's just put it out there. Sometimes church is the worst place to tell somebody that you struggle about something because we have a bad habit of shooting our own, shooting our wounded. When guess what? All of us are wounded. There's not one of us that has everything together. And the people of God, instead of being a place where you put on a smile and you grab a big Bible and you praise the Lord and you never let anybody know that you have issues, that's not what it's supposed to be. What it's supposed to be is a group of people coming together in Jesus' name. That's a safe place for us to be able to come out and say, I'm really not doing so hot in this area. And one of the things I love about what God is doing in Crossroads as there are groups that are starting and there are groups that have been going. We have all new groups coming out. Is that in an environment of 10 or 12 people, it creates a space for us to be able to say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. And people start praying for one another and knowing what's going on in one another's lives. And that sounds scary, except for the fact that you realize that your healing is actually comes in the humility to be honest. Nobody ever gets the medicine that they need from a doctor unless they're first humble enough to go and say, I need to see the doctor. See, it takes humility and vulnerability and honesty to say, look, I don't feel right and I am a little bit dizzy and there's this thing going on and I've never experienced before and something's got to be going on here. Jesus is Today's message shifted our focus from our relationship with God to our view of ourselves. 
through some occasionally tough honesty, Pastor Daniel asked us to look at ourselves not as the world sees us, but as God sees us. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I'm the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. I love that God invites all of us to be a part of His family, and I wanted to invite you to be a part of my family of faith in Vancouver services on Sundays at 9 a.m. 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. or in southwest Portland our service on Sundays at 10 a.m. as well as midweek services Wednesday at 7 p.m. at both campuses we would love to have you join us and if you're at a distance check us out on our internet campus crossroadslive.tv I look forward to seeing you soon make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will talk with us about the freeing effect confession can have in our lives As we begin to truly see ourselves as God sees us, we need to be honest about the sin that's in our lives, confess it to God, and receive His grace. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series, The Art of Living. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.